Welcome back to Return to Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Curry. If you haven't yet listened to our previous podcast episode, or season for that matter, then please make sure you go back and give it a listen. The last episode we did is called Love, Honor, and Cherish. That's season two, episode one on Return to Truth. Now, if this is your first time here with me, then I thank you so very much for joining me today. If you've been here before, I appreciate your continued loyalty to the truth, this podcast, and for coming back for more. As always, before we begin any episode, we need to ask God to guide us into a better understanding of His Word. So, with that said, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we call out to Your holy name in reverence and in awe of who You really are, our one and true Father. We thank You and praise You for always being faithful, always allowing us to return to You no matter the circumstances in our lives. I ask now that you will lift us up as we study and listen to what you are saying in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, to start this off, I want to give all the listeners a quick update on some stats as we go into Season 2. We have now passed over a thousand downloads. That's across seven countries and 170 cities. Also, with the start of Season 2, you can now follow us or reach out to us at Return to Truth on Instagram. Just search the name and look for the logo. That name is at return underscore to underscore truth. Again, just search the name and look for the logo. So feel free to drop us a question or even a shout out. Okay, moving on to this week's episode, the whole reason why you are here. The title of today's episode is Open Arms. In today's episode, I want to talk specifically about a story in the Bible, a parable that Jesus once told to the sinners, the tax collectors, and all who drew near him. I'd like to talk about this story because, one, this story is one of my favorites. It's one that I continue to remember day in and day out in my own personal life, a story that I hold on to, even when I find myself on my knees and on the long journey back home to him. And two, it really tells us that we have a Father that has a never-failing, merciful love. It shows His character. It shows who He is, even when you show who you really are. Interestingly enough, this parable can be found in only one of the four Gospels, and is preceded by two other parables that align perfectly with it. If you have a chance, read those two as well when we're done. Now, I'd like to, if I may, read to you this entire parable. I'm using the New King James Version if anyone wants to follow along. But before I do so, do me one favor here. Please listen to every word that Jesus is saying, not me. Please sit back, open your mind, close your eyes, wherever you are. Take a moment and listen to these words. This parable is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. It's the parable of the lost son. Now try to imagine the scene that's taking place. Let's set the tone for a moment and visualize this out. Jesus is talking here out loud. There's a large crowd that's gathered before him. It actually says all the tax collectors and sinners drew near him. That's early on in the chapter. 
That must have been an enormous crowd of people. To get an understanding of just how big, consider that we all have sinned. The Pharisees and scribes in the crowd are complaining. They're saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them, as if this was some sort of disgusting and horrifying thing to do. Back then, I guess it was to the Jews. Notice how they too are still there among them. They too are curious. Now, what is he going to say? Who is this man that speaks and does these things? They want to know more. Notice now the parable of what he says to them all. Play it out in your mind as we read. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat, that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is already yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother, because he was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Okay, we have a lot to unpack here, but I want to start with the fact that this parable is so beautiful. 
It perfectly and accurately describes the love of our Heavenly Father. It shows us just how merciful He really is. His compassion, His faithfulness, His patience. It's in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 that says, Therefore the Lord will wait, that He may be gracious to you, and therefore He will be exalted, that He may have mercy on you. It's ironic, really, when you think about it. We start off in the comfort and safety of our Father's house. We have everything we could ever want, all we could ever ask for. But it's not enough for us for some reason, isn't it? We want more. So we instead go out on our own into the sinful world. We squander away everything that has been given to us, depleting ourselves of the very blessings that God has given only to find ourselves in the dirt and debris of our own chaotic and sinful choices. We then come to our senses. We realize the error of our ways and make our way back down the path, to the starting place from where we came. Notice how God never pushes us out. We are the ones that look for an exit. We take it all for granted, don't we? We allow ourselves to be overcome by the sinful desires and things of this world, that lure us into a false sense of belonging and happiness. When in reality, we already had it all along, didn't we? We slowly become what we behold, and before we know it, we are no longer able to distinguish who we once were. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. If we can, let's add emphasis to all these things. If you are seeking Him, you will not need anything else. Nothing else will matter but God alone. Sometimes, I imagine myself walking that same shameful dirt road, the path that leads back home to Him, kicking the dirt as I go along, angry with myself, ashamed and yes, even embarrassed. As I walk, I think to myself, I've been here before. Yes, it's so familiar to me now, so much so that I could probably count every blade of grass along the way, every stone that lines the ground. So many times I've traveled this way. So many times I have fallen. How long, Lord, will you stand with me forever? It's Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3 that says this, Return to me says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. God will not forsake you in any way. God wants nothing more than for you to return to Him. It's from the book called Christ Objects Lessons, page 200, paragraph 3. We read this. Whatever the appearance may be, every life centered in self is squandered. Whoever attempts to live apart from God is wasting his substance. He is squandering the precious years, squandering the powers of mind and heart and soul, and working to make himself bankrupt for eternity. The man who separates from God, that he may serve himself, is the slave of mammon. The mind that God created for the companionship of angels has become degraded to the service to that which is earthly. This is the end to which self-serving tends. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I feel that I am the prodigal son every time I go out on my own and search for all the sinful things, trying to find unconditional love in all the wrong places, in all the wrong things. We already had it all. It was right in front of us all along. But we wanted some type of false freedom. We wanted a fading reality of a world that only lasts for a fleeting moment. We wanted to be our own masters, our own God, and follow our hearts. But Jeremiah says this in chapter 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know who else followed their own heart? Satan. Isaiah 14, 14 says this, Talking about Satan, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, is that what you want? How exactly do you think that will end for you? How do you think it will end for Satan? So moving on as we unpack this parable further, we see that as the son was far away off, the father saw him. Now, I believe that he may have even been waiting, eagerly looking and watching, hoping and yearning for the day that the son would come back to him. Oh, how he must have longed for the day to see his son again. I imagine he even cried tears of sadness at times. And now, joy at the return of his son. Now we see here that it says he had compassion and he ran to the son. Not the son, mind you, but the father. The father ran. As if the father missed his son. As if the father was the one who did the wrong. Shouldn't the son have ran? Can you imagine the amount of happiness he must have had? Can you imagine the amount of love? What joy he must have been feeling when he ran to his son. And that's just the father. What about the son? Probably even more. He was probably completely in shock. Now, is this how you treat someone who treated you poorly? Someone who took advantage of you? Someone who took you for granted? Someone who took it all and ran? When we look at the cross, we see the same picture. Instead, it's someone who spit on you, someone who tore your clothes, someone who beat you and nailed you to the cross. Now, what this tells us is that the father didn't care one bit, not about the words that the son just spoke, not about the planned apology, not about the fact that the son was willing to work as a servant or about all the son had done, but only the fact that the son was home at last in his arms once again. That son is you. That son is me. How merciful is your God? How forgiving is your heavenly Father? How compassionate is He? If this parable teaches us anything, it's that your God, your heavenly Father, is full of grace, mercy, empathy, kindness, and of course, a never-ending, unfailing love. You know, it is said that the difference between mercy and grace is that mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance, but grace gave him a feast. This is a parable. How much more you in real life? How much more will your heavenly Father give you? You are never too far gone. You are beloved. Farther on in Christ Object Lessons, we read, The love of God still yearns over the one who has chosen to separate from him and he sets in operation influences to bring him back to the Father's house. 
the prodigal son in his wretchedness came to himself. The deceptive power that Satan had exercised over him was broken. He saw that his suffering was the result of his own folly, and he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. Miserable as he was, the prodigal found hope in the conviction of his father's love. It was that love which was drawing him toward home. So it is the assurance of God's love that constrains the sinner to return to God. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That's Romans 2.4. A golden chain, the mercy and compassion of divine love, is passed around every imperial soul. The Lord declares, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. That's Jeremiah 31.3. Assurance of God's love that draws us back to Him. How beautiful is that? Because we know His love is everlasting. An everlasting love. This is something we only hear in love stories. The type of love that surpasses all others, and it is ours for the taking. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Let's stop here for a moment. Now, if you think for a moment that you don't have a father, you better check again. Even those who don't have an earthly father, for whatever the reason, you have a heavenly father waiting for you, looking far off, searching, hoping that you will come to him. He wants to reunite with you. He is waiting for that day. You have a place in the family of God. Okay, so maybe it isn't about you. Maybe there is someone else on your mind. Maybe you have been praying, fervently waiting, but haven't heard any answers yet. How long, Lord? How long, you say? When will this person change? When will they come back to you? You know, this parable, it should give you hope. This parable should show you that even those taken in by the world can come back out of it. It's possible. Just look at the part where it says, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. Now that's pretty desperate if you ask me. That's rock bottom. And even at the end of it all, it says that he came to himself. Those are great moments, aren't they? When we finally come to our senses and realize exactly what we had. What we gave up. What we lost. Never give up hope. Never stop praying. Never stop trusting in God. It's said that patience is not the ability to wait, but to have a good attitude while waiting. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Much patience is required, even more so love. How much patience does the Father have? How much love? He will restore what was once His. Make me like one of your hired servants. What I like about this is the fact that the Father will always put you right back where you once were. He restores you 
to your rightful position. He doesn't knock you down to a lower rank or take away your crown. He just holds on to it until you return. You don't have to come back as a hired servant. You can come back as a son, an heir to the kingdom. So, how long would you wait to return? How long will you continue to stay away from him? Will you continue to allow yourself to sink lower and lower, farther and farther away? What will it take to bring you back? What are you afraid of? Don't wait until you have nothing left. Don't wait until you cannot even bring yourself. If you take away anything from this lesson today, it's that God's love never wears out. God does not treat us as our sin deserves. He instead treats us as He deserves. That alone should be enough. That alone should keep you in His arms. But no matter how far we wander astray, He will always run to welcome us back. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have so much more coming your way. You can find Return to Truth on many different podcast apps. Just search Return to Truth and look for the logo. Make sure to follow this podcast channel on any of those apps to stay up to date. Don't forget to then comment and rate because I want to hear from you. And please share this podcast as much as you can. Don't forget you can now reach us and follow us on Instagram. Just search the name Return underscore to underscore truth and look for the logo. Again, just search the name and look for the logo. New episodes dropping every single Monday. So remember to stay tuned for our next episode as we return to truth.